0: what's going on beautiful podcast family i hope that wherever you are you're doing amazing and i'm sending all of my prayers and well wishes to you your family your friends wishing you all the best thank you so much for being here we've got an amazing episode of the show for you today we have chef whitney Aaronoff on the podcast and we are talking about the art of high vibrational Cooking. So, we talk about what high vibrational cooking is, how to avoid snacking, the two types of energy on the planets, a deep dive into oils, understanding good and bad salt, uh, food as the structural foundation, healthy snacks, gut health, Whitney's amazing career transition. Um, So, this is about high vibrational cooking, but it's also about entrepreneurship, taking a leap, following your gut. This is an amazing show. I know you're going to enjoy it. And if you do, please share it far and wide. Consider leaving a review on iTunes. Those help a ton. Thank you to everyone who's done that. You can also leave a review in Spotify. And if you want to become a patron, which is essentially a member, because Patreon got deleted, you'll get access to the Soul Compass course, which is a clear, concise, and quick way to get very clear on your life purpose and your life path. That's all you really need is that course. And if you want to go a step further, you can reach out to me with one-on-one coaching, Um, but you're going to have everything you need at the soul compass course, and you're also going to get some exclusive content for past guests for being a patron and supporting the show, um, just to show my appreciation. So you can do that at mattbelair.com. You'll find the link there. And, um... The best way to support the show, as always, is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world. And if you want to reach out to me and you want to do some individual coaching, consulting, you want to get very clear on who you are, what your life path is, and how to create that and leave a legacy here and do what you were meant to do while overcoming any limitation or block that you may have, just reach out mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. Tell me a little bit about your situation, (laughs) your situation, your organization, your business, and I will do everything I can to support you in your journey. So yeah, that's it. Let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive into the show. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, power, courage, clarity, and get ready to enjoy this amazing episode with Chef Whitney Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a health-supportive personal chef who is passionate about wellness, the vibration of food, and supporting others in living their best life. As a personal chef, she prepares custom meals and dinner parties for her clients and shares her seasonal recipes on Starseed Kitchen. She aims to invite people into their kitchen, feeling empowered to make healthy choices for themselves and their loved ones and to experience high vibration living. Welcome to the show, Chef Whitney Aronoff.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: I'm excited to dive into the show. You have um, very interesting work that I'm excited about because I love eating a lot of food and I've been trying to eat healthier lately. So it's very uh, timely. I don't know what I'm doing. And so I would love some help (laughs) and to dive into uh, some of the things that you teach. But why don't we just begin with getting a little bit about your background um, and how you got into the work that you're doing?
1: Sure. So I spent the first part of my career working as an HR manager and corporate recruiter. And I always loved food. I always loved health and wellness and feeling good. And I just found that when I was going to work every day in corporate America, I was actually, you know, living for my hobbies in the evenings and on the weekends. And I just hit hit a point in my early 30s where I just thought, I want to live my dreams. I want to spend all day doing the things that I love. And so that's when the idea of going to a health supportive culinary school kind of dropped my head. I had all those visions and dreams of the career path I could be living. And I just decided that I was going to go to culinary school in 2015. And I was going to somehow make it happen. You know, whether that was, you know, take a sabbatical from my job, commute to the school, I was going to figure it out. And sure enough, when I kind of communicated that that was my plan, and made the vow to make it happen, I got laid off from my job. Literally days after kind of making that concrete pledge to myself that I was going to move forward in that direction, the the opportunity arose where I could. So I cashed out my 401k. I moved to New York City. I went to a health-supported culinary school called the Natural Gourmet Institute. And in my early 30s, I started out on a whole new career path. And what I found when I was in that school was that I was learning basic life skills. I was learning everything that I felt like you and I and everybody else on the planet deserves to know in order to feed and nourish and fuel themselves. You know, this is all information that nobody should have to quit their job, spend $50,000, put their life on hold to gain this information. So what I try to do is share what I learned. So people are empowered to go into their kitchen and cook healthy meals, nourish their family members, their loved ones, and be able to go about on their life and their day, fulfilling their passions and not having to worry about food.
0: That's amazing. Well, I love all that. And I think that's a powerful thing to dive into maybe a bit later, just having the courage to shift your career, you know, having stability and then, you know, moving towards your passions. Uh, we speak about that a lot in the podcast. So just kudos for being able to make that transition. And and I'm glad it worked out for you. Um, so why don't we just start with like what you when you say high vibration cooking, like what do you mean by that? And do you have like simple... Uh, rules or ways for me to like learn in my audience too, to learn how to cook, how to eat healthy and to make it enjoyable. For me, I'm just very simple. I know what the good things are, like say chicken and vegetables. And I put that together with nothing. And then the wife doesn't really like that, but I, I'm kind of more simple. So how do you like, how do you, yeah. Yeah. Let's start with that.
1: Well, simple food is (laughs) Fantastic food. So more ingredients doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be more flavorful or more delicious or better for you. So learning the simple foundations of cooking then supports you with adding additional layers, but high vibration cooking is understanding that there's an energy, energy transfer happening when you eat food. So we get to eat three, four, five meals a day. If we so desire, it's really like a blessing as the human experience that we get to enjoy food. And when we're reaching for food, we're really reaching for a transfer of energy, you know, so we can go outside and play in the sun and receive energy that way. We can do breath work and receive energy that way. We can do any energy healing experience. So we can have someone do energy medicine on us and that can fill us back up with energy. So there's lots of different ways that we can transfer energy into our body. Food is just one of them. So the number one thing I try to teach people about high vibration cooking and high vibration food, it's number one, it's a transfer of energy. And so if you're going to dive in and reach for energy, why not choose something that's going to uplift you and raise you up? Versus something that's going to n- not make you feel well and going to bring you down.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense, and I think a lot of people will eat for comfort and for you know. I think one of the the dangers is like the snacking game and what you're reaching for. So, do you have rules that you are not rules, but uh, just like tenants where people can like avoid certain foods or avoid certain things, like if you like eating chips at night or something like that. What's what's one thing that that person can do? Well,
1: if you're If you're eating, but you're not hungry, a great way to clear the palate is having celery. Celery Mm -hmm. will actually, if you chomp on celery, parsley is the other one, or you chomp on parsley, they Mm -hmm. may not sound delicious to you, but they're great palate cleansers and they actually stop you from being hungry. So if your issue is like you're reaching for things because you're bored, Another great alternative is bone broth or making yourself a cup of tea that really helps as well. But if at the end of the day, you find you're always hungry again, you know, a few hours after dinner, then one, you need to change your dinners. You're not getting enough food or fuel when you are eating And then the other thing you need to do is if you're going to reach for something late at night, then reach for something really grounding because you're getting ready for bed. So you want to come down into your body, into the earth and feel grounded. So maybe have some roasted sweet potatoes in the fridge, or if you're really into crunchy things, then Find the best quality chips that you can, if that's your thing, you know, just look at the ingredients and find the best version for you and where you are right now. And one of the things I love teaching is the balance test. So you can go to the chip aisle, start looking at ingredients and identify a few that have a better quality ingredient. Maybe they're using organic corn, or maybe they're using an organic oil or avocado oil or a natural fat. And then you can take that product and put it against your chest and you can just stand in the aisle, keep your eyes closed, hold it against your chest and just ask yourself if these are the right chips for you. And you'll naturally fall forward if they are, or they'll, you'll fall back if they aren't for you. And then you can kind of go through the ones that you've identified and just do the balance test. See if it resonates with you and go with them and just know that. Those might not always be the chips for you because hopefully you as a being are constantly working on yourself and growing and evolving and your vibration is always shifting. So maybe over time, you're going to have to up level to another type of chip or another quality. Um, But that's a that's a good place to start.
0: Well, that's an interesting one to use like a key kinesiology test to figure out what you're um what you're gonna eat. And when when I started to eat a little bit healthier, I just started to read the ingredients. You know, I just was probably 23 years or 24 years of eating. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna start reading the ingredients. Like, well, what am I actually eating? And to eat for energy and nutrition is another big concept where people I think just eat to eat. And when you talk about high vibration or low vibration foods? Do you do you have like a list of that? Or is it a similar idea to like paying attention to what what's in the ingredients and doing a kinesiology type of test?
1: I do have a list and people can get that on starseedkitchen.com. It's a great way to get started, especially if you're looking to do a nice spring clean in your pantry, which I highly suggest I just did. Um, Or let's say you're moving and you're kind of starting fresh. It's a great list to use, but basically there's only two types of energy on this planet. There's the up spiral energy and there's a down spiral energy. So if you're looking at whole, real foods, they can be shelf-stable products and fresh products for your fridge and on the kitchen counter that you're going to always want to reach for high vibration food. So that would be obviously fruits, vegetables, pasture-raised meats, grass-fed, grass-finished, field-harvested. And then if we're talking pantry items, you know, we're looking for our organic rices, our organic quinoa, our ancient grains. We're looking for ghee olive oil, you know, good quality nuts and seeds. Um, you can even do jarred, um, jarred olives and anchovies and foods that have been preserved generationally and generationally for thousands of years. You know, they not all jarred items are bad. You know, we've been preserving food that way for a long time. So that's, that's what we're really looking for.
0: Yeah. I love that. It's, it's very simple and easy to follow. So that's the first and most important thing. And then my mind kind of takes me over to the idea of like cleanses. And so if somebody is trying to improve their health, then maybe you go through the winter and maybe you're eating pizza all the time, or your, your diets kind of got out of whack and you're thinking, Oh my gosh, I got to restart. Do you sometimes cook for that for yourself and for other people, like something like really clean, really simple to kind of get you back on track?
1: Well, I can really relate to that because earlier this month, I was in Chicago for a food blogging conference. And so when you're traveling, you often don't get to eat the way that, you know, fully supports you and you don't know who's cooking your food. You don't know all the ingredients. You just have to surrender. And so since I've gotten back, we've moved through the spring equinox. The weather's changed a lot where I lived. You know, you can really feel that a new season's coming on. And so I felt like this week I just needed to lighten up. So I made myself bone broth. I pulled all the bones from the winter out of the frit out of the freezer. So every time I roast a chicken, I make a steak with bone with bones in, I cook short ribs. I save the bones and I put them in the freezer. And then once I have enough, I make myself a set of bone broth. So I made that a few days ago and I've been using that as my afternoon snack to sip on. You know, I have been buying seasonal fruits. I've been picking up a green juice, which, you know, I only kind of do seasonally. I've been making new fresh salads. Um, so I've been lightening up in that direction but then still in the evening I'm having like a roasted Japanese yam or I'm making parsnip mashed potatoes. So we're in spring. So it's a transition season. So I'm st- I'm having more light bright food that's growing towards the sun as I'm still having some grounding food in the evening, you know, more late winter early spring food. So it's that balance. It's understanding how our food grows and finding what we need with it and also just understanding your body and finding the foods that are going to create balance for you because as i think you you understand as we kind of spiritually open up you know as our third eye gets more activated as we just become more aware of who we are and our life we become more sensitive to food and we can you know more feel the energy that it's being transferred to us. So starting to understand how the food grows and the type of energy that it carries because it grows that way, you know, barreling into the ground as a root vegetable versus hanging up in a tree and growing towards the sun on a vine, you know, those, those types of energies, the action of the fruit, the vegetable, the animal is going to change how we feel inside.
0: Hmm. Well, I love the spiritual take on it. It's interesting to think about where the vegetables grow. I'm just meandering, just trying to eat the things that are supposed to be good for me. Um, you spoke about bone broth a couple of times. I've heard before that that's one of the super like foods, you know, for ingredients, put it in. Everything It's very, very good for you. Do you have... um what you'd consider superfoods or things that you always have in your kitchen. So if you need to put something together that's healthy, like a healthy lunch or a healthy dinner, and you don't have much, but these ingredients are the things you whip, whip up and you get yourself a nice meal.
1: Yeah, so the things that I always have in my house, like 24 seven year round, um, a few different olive oils. So really good extra virgin olive oil for putting on my salads, other olive oils that I'm more comfortable cooking with. Maybe they're just a lower price point. Different types of sea salts. So I love buying sea salt when I travel to different places because they all carry a different mineral content.
0: And, and is it what's the one you can't? Is it canola oil? Like, don't use that, right? Is that what it is? All of us, okay?
1: Yeah. Do you know the story of canola oil and how it was created? No. Okay. So canola oil is stands for the Canadian Oil Company. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this would resonate with you. Wow. So, so the Canadian oil company took a native North American seed that naturally produced oil for the Native Americans and people in North America. I believe it was the rapeseed. And they genetically modified the rapeseed oil, rape seed oil um, and then renamed it to canola oil because that you know stood kind of as an acronym for the Canadian oil company. So it was originally you know, from birth, a genetically modified oil.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause I've heard when you're trying to be healthy, you want to stay away from oils, but that doesn't include olive oil or olive oil is fine to cook with.
1: Yeah. So real oil. So if you, Mm -hmm. if you start to travel around the world, you'll see that there are native oils to all different places on the planet. Olive oil is great, but there's, uh, there's also others out there that are either good for the skin or good to digest. So that would be like argon oil, cumin seed oil, black seed oil, Um, just different countries around the world all have their oils because they have what's native to their land. But the oils that we want to avoid are oils that aren't native. So that would be canola oil. That would be vegetable oil. That'd be corn oil. Like these are things that weren't naturally produced by anyone until, you know, the last hundred years when when factories and larger machines were being created and people had businesses with, you know, finances where they need to constantly show growth every year. And so you're looking at the waste in your production, figuring out how you can re, reuse your waste to create new products. That would be a great example with avocado oil. Avocado oil was invented in New Zealand in the nineties. And when you're producing tons of guacamole to sh- to sell on shelves at grocery stores because you now have citric acid and other preservatives that you can add in to keep it looking green and allow it to stay on the shelves for a few weeks. You have all this excess. You have all these seeds and all these skins. How can we use this to have less waste and create a new product and create another source of income? And that's when they figured out that you could take the skin of the avocado oil and essentially juice it for oil. So, avocado oil is also a more modern oil.
0: Is is that one okay though? Because it's real, it's fine. You seem to be on the fence with that. I thought it would be okay.
1: I, I'm on the fence with it. To oh, be completely honest, doesn't mean that I don't have it every now and then. But I'm definitely right. on the fence with it.
0: Okay. Well, I appreciate that because I think when you are trying to eat healthy, sometimes you're unaware of some of the things you're doing that are basic and you have no idea that it's terrible for you. So making sure that you have a good natural oil. So you said oil and salts. And I know people are a big fan of the different types of salts out there. Some are kind of like healthier for you. And then even putting salt in your water, people do that. Like how do Well, it-
1: when it comes to salt, real salt is what's help- healthy for you. So what mm-hmm. you want to do is Like with everything you buy at the grocery store these days, you have to read the back of the label of salt because a lot of salt will have dextrose, will have anti-caking agents, they'll even have sugar, they'll have color additives, so... I know, doesn't that (laughs) sound gross? So you actually (laughs) have to look at the ingredients list of salt. And so what you're looking for is- Yeah, I'm expecting it to be
0: salt. (laughs) Absolutely you Yeah, you always, you always have to check, read every single label of everything. And I've also heard if you can't pronounce it, you probably don't want it.
1: Yeah, so are you familiar with the salt brand that has the little girl on the cover and she's holding an umbrella?
0: I don't know if we have that in Canada or I haven't noticed it.
1: So that's a, it's a very popular, I'm not going to say the brand, but it's a very (laughs) popular brand in grocery stores here in the United States. And it's kind of a Navy blue box with a little girl. She's holding an umbrella and their tagline is when it rains, it pours. And that's, that's referencing when it's rainy outside, or there's a lot of moisture in the air and you have a salt shaker, the salt will absorb that water and it'll clump up in your salt shaker and you won't be able to sprinkle the salt. And this company added a chemical so salt wouldn't compound and get stuck together when there was moisture in the air so that way when it rains it pours your when it rains outside your salt shaker will still pour out salt Hmm. but that dextrose and anti-caking agent that's in their salt isn't good for you. So people often buy salt because they see familiar brands that they've seen their whole life, just like with a lot of other products. But you have to look at the ingredients because what we're using salt because number one, salt creates flavor. It ups the flavor in our food. It's a great preservative. So it's nature's natural preservative. It's how we preserved meats and fish for thousands of years, but it's also full of natural minerals. So I always like to buy real sea salt or I buy salt from ancient seabeds. I'm a big fan of Redmond real salt, which is an ancient seabed in Utah. And then when I travel I always look for local salts if you're in a region in a part of the world where it has natural salt beds or salt caves and I'll pick up their salt as well.
0: Awesome. Well, I kind of I derailed us um on the original question. So is there anything else? So we've got the salts yeah. um, and we have the oils. So is there anything else that you have in your your kitchen?
1: So I like to always have flaxseed. So whether it's ground or whole, that's always nice to have, that little extra fiber. I always like to have rice. So I usually have like an organic long grain rice an organic short brown rice. I usually always have a pasta. So I usually prefer for me, I like a quinoa or a rice pasta. I'll always have that in the pantry. And then I usually have cassava flour. So cassava flour is a traditional flour. Um, it's from a tuber and that tuber has been ground into a flour for again, like thousands of years. Um, It was traditionally ground and then made into breads and tortilla like pancakes. So I like to keep that alternative flour in in the pantry just in case, you know, I'm making short ribs or chicken pot pies and I want, you know, something to make my broth a little thick or I want to make a nice little crust. It's super health supportive, but still traditional.
0: Awesome. Well, I've never heard of that one before, so that will be a new one for me. And so if you're helping people who are like trying to improve how they eat or they, you're trying to invite them into the kitchen, mm-hmm. how do you like support that journey or what do you recommend they do if they're a little bit overwhelmed or they, they want to kind of start to improve what they eat? And, and I imagine people with a lot of kids, I always wonder how they feed their kids because I have one, my one buddy has like five and I'm just like, how, how do you feed them? I, you know, what, what do you feed them? How do you feed them? this is way too many people. So, you know, um, yeah. How do you support people who are, you know, trying to make the healthy food choices? Where do they begin?
1: Well, first of all, kids are humans too. You know, they're just (laughs) like you and they'll eat what you feed them. So if you are going out to a restaurant and you're, you're, you're asking for a kid's menu and you order from that, you know, they'll eat what you put in front of them. If you order them fish, or short ribs, or a steak, and you put that in front of them, they'll eat it if that's the only option. So I always suggest, you know, your kids should be eating what you're eating. Their portion size is going to be different, but they should be eating real foods just like you. Their bodies need it, their brains need it. Um, and if you're wanting to know where to start, start with a cookbook. Like food should be fun. Cooking should be fun. So, find something that ignites you, that gets you excited, that you want to eat, and start trying to cook that way. Find something that's simple. It does not have to be complicated. And then, when you make something and you get comfortable with it, maybe try doubling the recipe. So, then that way you'll have leftovers and life will be a little easier later in the week because it'll be simply you reheating instead of starting from scratch.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Well, my daughter will mostly eat what we put in front of her. Not always. Um, And it's interesting, though, because you can see people who, uh, you know, tend to be a little bit overweight. Their kids seem to be a little bit overweight. So, you know, they have the same kind of diets and traditionally if the parents are a little bit healthier looking the kids are eating the same thing and whenever we go in the car we just have snacks like crazy like cut up whole fruits and she's eating all these apples and things like that so I think snacking especially for kids is a big one Um, so is there anything else that you want to touch on as far as educating people around food because I do want to talk about your transition from just, you know, you probably had a job that was secure, that was making money. And then you're like, you know what? I love this. Like most people would think it'd be crazy to quit the job that you have that's stable to go follow your quote unquote pipe dream at the time and mm-hmm. your passion. And I think a lot of people have that They're they have something they're passionate about, something that is at the back of their mind that they wish that they could do. And you actually did that. So I'd love for you to speak about that.
1: Yeah. To answer your first part, You know, when in doubt guys just eat real food. Like that's what this is really (laughs) all about. Just like get back to basics, steam some broccoli, roast a whole chicken, you know, make some rice you know, mashed potatoes, but use the best potatoes you can find and use real organic whole milk, use the best local butter you can get, like use real whole ingredients and watch how the flavors change. Watch how you change when you're eating that food and and just start from there. Keep it simple, improve your quality, keep it real. And then just watch yourself evolve.
0: And I think one of the things that you, that I saw in the notes that you talk about is like trying to find the local food that's around you, maybe like your locals, farmer's market or things like that. And when we started to do that, the food quality is so much better. Um, And you, you know, right now we're kind of living right on a farm, which is amazing. When I have an egg order, I just shoot it up the mountain and they come down and they bring me eggs and they're so much better. They look so different. And so it's like the idea of understanding where your food comes from comes from and pretty much everybody can do that. And so, you know, you find your local egg source and you find your local honey source, you find your local, you know, markets and your local farms where where you can might be able to get uh, meat from. And, you know, some people buy like a large amount at a time. But if you're doing that as a practice, you're prioritizing your food, you're prioritizing your health. And that's the number one thing you can do for your health, for your vitality, for your longevity is the quality of food. Because the supermarket is total trash. And if you're eating like pre-made dinners, I remember before (laughs) is actually when I did um, an ayahuasca ceremony, they make you do a a diet. The first one I ever did, they make you do a diet and a fast. And so I didn't realize you can't have sugar, salt, meat, dairy, anything. So I basically starved myself. Um, But then after that, I started to look at what I was eating for food. And I thought, having a skillet sensation. I don't know if you guys have those, but they're like these bagged pastas and things. I, that was my version of the healthy foods because other than that, it was like pizzas. It's so bad and terrible. I had no idea what it's was doing. Um, but the more we educate ourselves around food, especially if you're into athletics or just health, you need to be eating the right stuff and adding stuff like bone broth and you know getting extra nutrients through simple ingredients is so powerful, but also removing all the nonsense you're eating is really going to elevate uh, your your well as you put it your vibration. Um, but it it helps improve your mindset, your clarity, your thinking, and your you know your capabilities because brain fog and all that a lot of it comes from food and people have no idea they're ingesting all these chemicals. And then they feel lethargic and crappy and confused and slow, but you just ingested all this nonsense and your body has to get rid of that and process it versus a really nice. Uh, I, I don't know if organic is the right word, but like whole food, healthy, something that your body wants nutrient dense. Do you want to add on to that? That was my rant.
1: I mean, we're on this, <laughs> we're on the same page. Um, you know, I consider food the foundation. So if you, If you are an engineer and you're looking at your body, you know, you're going to start, you're going to start with the um, structural engineer work first. You're going to lay the foundation for your building, for your home, whatever you're building. So your food is your structural foundation. And then everything else that you do on top of that, the workouts the The mindset, the meditation, the the life coach, the business coach, you know, everything else you do will work, will be supported, can soak into the body, can resonate. It'll be easier for you to create consistency because you've laid your foundation,
0: yeah, I hundred percent agree. And when people get sick, they really realize that that health is the number one thing. You know, if you don't have your health, you don't have. You know, your wealth and all these other nice things you want to do. Like a friend of mine, we went snowboarding and uh, he works in cars and he's a good buddy of mine. But now because of the car lifestyle is challenging to stay um in shape and eat healthy because you're you're doing long hours and it's easy to eat out um just for snowboarding and doing other activities, has to like come back and like, oh man, I gotta get back to the gym because my health has been starting to slip and I notice that and I want to. Bring that back up. So as the health, the health has to be there, or you're not going to be doing anything else until that is taken care of. So it's better to be proactive rather than reactive. It's a lot easier to maintain uh, than it is to kind of really, you know, fall off and then have to come all the way back onto um, a positive track and it becomes your lifestyle. So eating healthy is your lifestyle. And that's the big thing. You can't just be eating one positive, good meal a day. And then the rest are total trash. Right. Um, you know, it changes. Yeah. It changes the priority. So I think that that's important is to make that lifestyle switch and people, if they're struggling with weight or having health issues, nine times out of 10 is your diet starting there.
1: Yeah. And this is the best time of year to do it. It's spring and it's a transition season. So like now is the time, like one meal a day, just make an edit. And then in mm. a few weeks, edit two meals a day. And in a few weeks, edit two meals a day in your snack. It is the best transition period to slowly move into making some changes.
0: I'm going to ask one more practical question. What about like healthy snacks? Just give me yeah, a list so of, I love, snacks. I'll tell
1: you what I like to snack on. <laughs> yeah. So this, this is what I like to snack on. It's always changing, but like, like I mentioned, I had a huge batch of bone broth. That's not realistic for anybody. Um, I'm a chef. So, you know, it's not often realistic for me because it's hot in the kitchen and I don't want to sip on something hot while standing next to an oven all day. But in those moments where I get to work from home, I love having it as an afternoon snack. I eat a lot of carrots. Um, I sometimes make my, I have a few salad dressings where I whip avocado into the dressing And it makes for a great dip as well. So I'll have a lot of carrots with like my avocado dip or just plain. I love a few nuts every now and then. So Brazil nuts, um, pecans. I do, um, sometimes I'll do some beef jerky or some turkey jerky. Some just Mm. the best quality that I can find. I'll do that. Hard boiled eggs are great. I love it when I can take like two hard boiled eggs, open them up, put a little kimchi on top. Cause then I get like my natural probiotics or sometimes I'll take a little bit of raw cheese and put that on top of half a hard boiled egg and have a few of those. Um, so I would say those are my usual snacks. Well, and
0: uh, shoot, I, I was like, you, you brought another, Oh, food. that's what it was. The other sneaky one that it was for me is sauces. You could be eating like chicken, right? And then you grab your sauce and then you destroy everything. I was like, why am I not losing weight? Why is, you know, I was like, I'm just squirting on like a whole half a pound of like three cheese ranch with all the chemicals in there. And I'm like, what, this isn't, this isn't any good. And so is there um, like a few recipes or ideas for people who are uh, creating either salad dressing or sauces that can make it delicious. But I like everything for me, what I learned anyway, was that you have to make it from scratch if you're or or read the ingredients. And if it's proper and it's good, you you can read the four items on the back, right? Then, okay, it's totally fine. But most of it isn't. But if you make your own salad dressing, your own sauces, and you're aware of everything you put on it, anything from a bottle, anything from a can, anything from a package is probably a bunch of nonsense. So if we want to sauce up our life or spice up our life, how do we do that? (laughs)
1: Yeah. So, so it's really interesting. Men tend to want the sauces. Women are kind of fine without the sauces as someone who's (laughs) cooked.
0: It's true. I've tried to put sauce on everything. I wanted to, at one point in my life, I thought about the idea of like starting a restaurant just called sauce. And then uh, everything you bought, it was just about all the different sauces that you could get and dip it into it, like chicken wings or whatever, you know? So yes. Yeah. And you probably (laughs) would
1: have only needed restrooms for men because they would (laughs) have been lined out the door for that. (laughs) And to not be into sauces as much. However, I'm a huge believer in making your own salad dressings. I grew up making my salad dressings from scratch. And that's what you will find on my website. Starseed kitchen is tons of salad dressings. And then some of those dressings turn into really good marinades or sauces. So my lime cilantro salad dressing, I made a big batch of that. And my family kind of took off with the jar and started using it as their, as their sauce on their grilled steak. Um, So, so sometimes when you make big batches of salad dressings, they can evolve and move into other ways of enjoying them. So I also have on there, like a a uh, carrot ginger dressing that again, that one serves really well as a nice little sauce when you're doing a grilled steak or a grilled chicken. Um, so yeah, making your salad dressings from scratch is the best. Some will last a week. Some will last two weeks. It really depends on the ingredients, but I highly suggest trying it and make enough. I have like a half size ball jar-, jar here. You always want to make a nice big amount. Um, so you can have it all week, make your life easier.
0: I agree. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that because I'm always trying to sauce up everything. So, (laughs) and you know, yeah, like I even had a friend that um, made their own hot sauces and I love hot sauce and things. And you realize, I think it's just the idea that it is possible and it's not as hard as you think. That's at least was my barrier to cooking. It's like, well, I never even considered making my own sauce. How do you do that? Well, you have websites like yours and it's understanding, like you said, that you're eating for energy, this energy transfer, you're eating for nutrition, you're eating for health. And if you understand that, and then combine that with the education piece, we're saying, okay, what is it that I need to learn in order to achieve this result? And then you'll figure it out because every, the information is out there. You could find, you know, a thousand different websites that will show you how to make one healthy meal. And I like your suggestion. Um, a little bit ago, just talking about, you know, improving one meal a day. You know, maybe today you subtract, you're drinking too much pop or my thing is I can get into too much coffee. Okay. I'm drinking too much coffee. So now we're going to substitute that with a healthy tea or, or a better choice and, and really taking that, um, that inventory of what you're eating and uh-huh. seeing how you feel. And then there's a lot of people too who have it a little bit rougher with just gut health and things like that. You do elimination diets, but I really feel like it comes back to that basic premise of understanding that you're eating for energy, um, for health, and then knowing that you can figure out a way to make it delicious too. It's not, you don't have, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. It's just prioritizing the food a little bit more and what you eat a yeah. little bit more.
1: Yeah. And when you're struggling with gut health issues, the number one thing is, is the diet like to start, you know, you want to just make sure you're eliminating processed foods, processed foods often create a lot of gas and create a lot of the, the issues in the gut and get to eating real food, figure out the foods that really work well with your body, making sure you're preparing them properly. So, you know, if you're just taking rice and throwing it in your pot with water, you're not preparing the rice right, which might be creating the digestive issues. You should be washing your rice and soaking your rice. So you just learned one
0: right there. Sorry to cut
1: you off.
0: I was like, like, wait, I'm doing that. I was like, what's wrong with that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, So all (laughs) rice is actually supposed to be washed and soaked. Ah, So- (laughs) but it's worth it because you're going to feel so much better. So you wash your rice really well, and then you put it in the pot with water. Ideally you soak your rice overnight. So if you know, you want to have rice this week with dinner, you just soak it overnight, make a big pot and reheat it as you need to later in the week. But like understanding all the little things that might be causing the digestive issues from your food you clear that up and then you got to work on the emotional because a lot of our gut issues are also emotionally based, but you can't fully heal the emotional side that's creating the gut issues until you tackle the food first.
0: Awesome. I appreciate that. See, there's another one for me. I'm sure there's a lot more, but it's just like simple stuff like that. You know, it's partially my Mm -hmm. laziness. I don't want to be adding steps to things. I just want to eat right now. So now, because you told me I will wash my rice from now on and it probably helped a lot.
1: And this is the thing is when you wash your rice really well and ideally soak it, it's going to cook faster. So Mm -hmm. it won't take 25 minutes. It'll cook in 15 to 20 minutes. So there's a lot of benefits to doing it the right way.
0: Right. And so, you know, now we'll transition a little bit into, you know, your switch and your career move, because I think that's amazing. And you also have a podcast. So you talk about, you know, health, wellness, spirituality, um, you know, high vibration living, as you put it. And so Let's just start there, I guess. What what gave you the courage to do that? Like, were you not afraid of failure, or you're just like, I have to do this, and I'm gonna do it? Like, what gave you the strength to make the transition? And did you have I, naysayers yeah. saying you're gonna fail?
1: <laughs> uh, well, so I absolutely had people tell me, you know, that I was never gonna make a living that way. Um, I I had somebody come up to me who is a top level gold medal Olympian who I happened to be family friends with. And he told me, he said, wow, I'm just amazed that you decided to go a career path where you're only going to make minimum wage the rest of your life. But when I chose to go this route, I had a very large vision of what I wanted to do and how I wanted to serve and what I wanted to create. Um, but what drove me was sheer wanting, simply wanting to be happy and wanting to live and do the things that make me happy. And I had spent my twenties and and beginning of my thirties, knowing that the path that I was on career-wise wasn't going to bring me joy. And I kept trying to make it work and it wasn't happening. And I knew in order to take my career to the next level as a recruiter and HR manager, I needed to go and take a few classes to get certain certifications. And I took the classes. I studied hard. And when I took the test, I didn't pass. I was like two points away from not passing. And I was shocked. So I went and took the test again. And I didn't pass. And I thought, you know what? This is the, this is the sign. I'm trying to make something work. That isn't going to work. I'm trying to keep going down a a career path because I'm already down the path, but I really hate this. It doesn't bring me any joy. I'm going through the motions because I feel like I have to, and I can't do that for my soul anymore. So I knew the new route that I wanted to go. I had the visions and the dreams. I found the culinary school that I wanted to go to. I got the application. I filled it out, but I did not send it in yet. There was still a little fear there. And I have to be honest, if the universe did not conspire for me and give me the out by getting me laid off from my job, I don't know if it would have happened. But the moment that happened, like I took that day and I cried and I experienced all the fears and layers that we experience when we get laid off from a job. And then the next day I got up and I was like, all right, it's it like freedom. Like I just got handed to it. I just got handed what I wanted. Now I have to figure out how to make the next step happen. Like, what do I need to line up so I can actually go to the culinary school and I can take this new route? Um, and, you know, I just had to do it and show it for myself every day because no one was going to do it for me.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, that's an amazing story. And again, kudos for being able to have the courage. It's interesting with the job aspect of it, because often maybe certain people, um, their crutch is the job, right? Like that's the thing, killing them with the slow death is like, oh, you know, I, I, I wish that I could do this, but I have this, like this job that is paying the bills. And so they don't have the gift of being laid off or the gift of the opportunity to go chase that dream. And that's unfortunate because I feel like the universe does conspire for your benefit. If you do have a vision that's honest for you, but you have to have that first. And maybe that's why your path got accelerated because the, energy and the vision you had to switch was very clear. So when the opportunity presented itself, then you could move forward rather than if you're in the job and you've never thought about it, you don't have another dream or something that you're pursuing. So if you got laid off, you just think, how do I get another job that pays the bills? And so my question to you would be then if you're in What would the process be if you're going to give people like a step-by-step, if they're in the job that they don't like, how do they start forming that vision of where they'd like to go? And then if they've got the safety and security, what would they need to have in order to try and make that shift? I used to kind of suggest to people like just pull, shoot and go, but now that I'm a dad, it's a little bit different, right? You, You have a little bit more responsibility, but I feel like you can, you can work for it. Like, you know, once you get that vision Um, clarified, then you can start to piece it together after work or on the weekends, just take little steps. And it doesn't have to be overnight, like a crazy thing, have your security, have your job, and then start moving over to this other way. And then when it starts paying the bills or getting what you need, then go ahead and then pull shoot on the thing that you don't love anymore.
1: I completely agree. And for people that are listening, like this didn't happen overnight. This was years in the making. This was years of me trying to figure out the path to go and not seeing the clarity. You know, it took Mm -hmm. me a long time to get the clarity. And then once I got it, it was months until things lined up so I could make the go. I could make the leap. I could Mm -hmm. take the action. So what helped me in the last year and a half before I got laid off and sent in my application, the way I got the clarity was kind of in a few different ways. One is I stopped going to bars on Friday night. I stopped going out. I stopped numbing with alcohol. I stopped that. And I started really taking care of my body. And on Fridays after work, I'd go to a restorative yoga class. So I could stretch it out and find some peace, calm my nervous system, you know, just get just get a little, just a little peace, you know, and feel good. And then I started listening to certain frequency music at night when I slept. So I'd put on high vibration music. There's a lot more on the market now, but back then there wasn't. So I was listening to David Halperin. I downloaded a few of his different CDs that All the music was for particular intentions. Another great musical group, they're actually Grammy award winning, and that is White Sun. And they use kundalini mantras. So I started putting on special music at night while I slept. And I put it on the lowest, absolute lowest volume. And I did that for a year. And that helped provide, it just kind of started downloading me with, with clarity and visions. And then another thing that I started doing was obviously meditation, just really simple, not very long, just, you know, anywhere from five, 10, 15 minutes of meditation. And then again, just other, other work to support my body and mindset. So long walks, good exercises, you know, hands-on energy healing, massages, anything to kind of open up my body, because if I'm opening up my body, my mind will naturally follow.
0: Well, I love that. And I'm, I think it's so important that you share that it was a journey, right? It didn't happen overnight because you, you do the podcast and you introduce a person and tell their story. It can feel like, oh, well that happened in a two week time span, but it's yeah. actually a long journey period of time. And I think it's so important to get that clarity. And I actually am going through that now. I've been the last maybe four or five months just thinking, what am I going to direct my energy towards? Because I need to make a shift. And and through, you know, some of the things that have happened with the podcast and some of the challenges that I've been dealing with, I was like, I got to make a shift. Where do I want to uh put my energy? And it sometimes it takes time and that's okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? And one of the important things I have felt has been helpful for me is living in day tight compartments. And I got that from, I think it was like Dale Carnegie. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, one of his books is like live in day type compartments. And we, we hear that often, but I've been trying to apply it more, just realizing I have everything that I need right now, right here. And right now that today is a beautiful gift. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, I'm not sure what it's going to bring, but trust that today is enough. And, and if, today is you trying to find a new direction. If you keep on that process, eventually clarity will happen and then you can take new action. But it's a necessary part of the equation to have time and space and to contemplate it, to think about it, to journal it, to stop, yeah, numbing out at the bar, make different life changes, adding a little meditation, long walks. And then that's where inspiration will come in because you're changing the way that you live your life the way that your body is existing in this plane. And it takes a little recalibration. So it shouldn't be expected that you go, Oh, this is my dream. And so, you know, it'll be nice. And if it is great, that, that can happen too. And you might get a flash of insight and that can happen too. But if not, it's okay to engage in the process. And this starts with knowing who you are. If you don't know who you are, what you enjoy, what you're passionate about, you're never going to be able to figure out a way to serve. And I feel like that's where fulfillment comes in is this combination of really truly knowing yourself and then finding a way to serve others. So you love food, right? And then you, you figured out like what your bigger mission is, your bigger why and how you wanted to help people. Now you're living that. So it creates happiness for you because you're doing the thing that you love where HR, whatever that career was, that's there to pay the bills. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, do you want to add on to that? It's not a question. It's a, just a statement.
1: (laughs) Well, I believe that you know, your purpose and your joy can pay the bills. So I had uh, some friends over for dinner a few nights ago and she is top of her game. She is so incredibly successful following her passions and her joy. And she's thinking about how she can pivot and upgrade what she's currently doing. And she was deciding between the next two courses that she's going to offer in her business and she she did a poll with her community and they kind of chose one but she realized the other one that people didn't choose as largely that's where the passion lies that's where she lights up so she's going to go with that because she has found where she is lit up is where the money flows is where the prosperity is and it brings her the most joy and that was such a great lesson that she taught me at dinner. Um, even though you and I have both already been through this journey, you know, and we did that, it still keeps coming up. And you have to remember that, you know, you just sit until the next thing that lights you up comes along and then you lean into that. And it's hard. It's not easy. Like for people listening that they think that this is easy, it's it's sure not. Um, but but it's a lot more fun than doing nothing that makes you happy yeah. <laughs> and getting a nice paycheck.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's it's rewarding, right? And you're you're constantly having to adapt. And that's the thing of being an entrepreneur or forging your own path. But things do arise where you will have an opportunity to be successful or to pay the bills or to make it work. At one point with the podcast, I uh basically my bills doubled through different um scenario so all my expenses doubled in no time and then we had a new daughter so that was stressful as far as money was concerned and i was like well if i have to get a job i'll get a job i don't care and and i just kind of prayed every single day for 30 days and then what happened was i ended up getting a whole bunch of clients because when you do coaching it goes kind of in waves right where people reach out a lot and then other times it's, it's not as often so you know then i got a whole bunch of clients out of nowhere and I didn't try and do anything different. And then that paid the bills for the, you know, for, for quite some time we were, we were stable, but it was challenging for a little bit of time. And you shared something that I believe is important. It's the energy and the passion, because if it's not truly what you enjoy, if it doesn't light you up, if it isn't really aligned with what you want to do, you're not going to have the mental, emotional, or spiritual fortitude to overcome the inevitable obstacles you'll face because it's it's just like you know it's a struggle almost the whole time but it's a worthy struggle you know like you might be doing remember just dealing with like website stuff or trying to like do okay. a freaking logo or whatever it's just like one thing after another i'm trying to learn photoshop and all i want to do is like put a little background on it. so i'm spending like an hour Trying to figure out one stupid thing of this grand vision I have, <laughs> <Hell yeah. laughs> so it can be bloody frustrating. And so it's the intent behind it that I think is so important, and it's also so rewarding. And you know, you don't ha- like I like to add to because I've had a couple guests say this. You don't have to do that if you like your job and it's paying the bills and you're happy. Great, maybe your dream is a hobby, and that's okay if you are clear on that. And if you have something that you're passionate about or you say, you know, I don't even know what I'm passionate about, you can succeed in doing something you're passionate about and you and you love. I had Alex Sakaras on and, you know, it's so funny because we were we we're talking on the show and at one point I basically bring up, yeah, you can like design a life that, you know, that is fulfilling, that you can make an income and, and, and wealth by doing something you love. And he's like, oh, I don't know about that. And I was like, what? He's just telling me about… This crazy – he wrote a book called Why Evil Matters, How Science and Religion Flubbed a Big One, talking about some of the evil stuff that goes on in the world. And so he's very practical, right? He has a a podcast called Skeptico, Skeptical of Everything. And so he's telling me 15 minutes before about like like certain people traumatizing children so spirits could come into their bodies and take over. So I'm like – you, my brain is like, you're telling me that you believe – that you know, these evil people are traumatizing kids. So spirits can come into their bodies, but you're having an issue with the idea that you can know what your passions are and design a life around. Like, what is going on with your brain? Like, this doesn't make any sense. It's totally po- possible. And I'm like, I had people on my show like you that have done it. Um, and you have to be a little bit um, fearless, but you have to go through that o- honest process. If you didn't do all that work that you shared, you wouldn't be successful. You would have failed, and you go back to your job and say, "Oh well, n- you know, don't follow your dreams because they'll never work." It's like, "Well, did you just go to the bar all the time and party and not work and not know who you were, and you know, make all these silly choices to get the result you're getting, or did you do all the work necessary, and then thankfully you achieve the result that you were looking for? And if you love it, you you don't give up. It'll it'll modify over time. That's you know, you know, it your good. journey will will go over time."
1: Yeah. There was, there was no failing. Like I was going to be chef Whitney Aronoff and I was going to create my own businesses and I was going to find a way to teach and share what I learned there. There was no failing. Like I knew that I could do this. It was figuring out how that was the hardest part. But when, when you know what you're supposed to do, you're going to do it. And there's no failing involved. Now, there were tough times. I mean, I slept on a blow up mattress in an apartment in New York City. You know, I went from a six figure salary to no income. You know, I cashed out my 401ks. I groveled and moved home with my parents, you know, as a 30 something adult. You know, I got jobs that made minimum wage after I made six figures and had a college degree and a culinary degree. But, you know, it didn't have to be that way. I'm sure there's a lot of ways that I, I could have done it differently and maybe easier and changed my mindset. But I did what I what I could do and where I was at at the time. And I I moved up and I pivoted and I changed and I kept getting clarity. And, you know, I would ask, you know, for help and, you know, and I... I made it, but there's still so much to do. Like, you know, and I think, I think that's, that's part of life. Like we should never be stagnant. There's always something to do. There's always new ways to grow and things that we want to create and things we want to learn and experience. And, um, you know, we'll go along for a while and we'll be super comfortable and then we'll feel that stagnation. And so we'll pivot. And if someone's in a nine to five jobs right now and they don't own their company and they're doing that, they're going along to work every day. There's nothing wrong with that. Like score. Like I wish that worked out for me. And now you have time in the evenings and on the weekends to, to figure out when, when that feeling arises that you feel like something needs to shift or there's stagnation and you can explore that. And so when it comes up, like lean in and explore it. Um, but we, we, none of us should get stagnant because stagnation is death, you know, and we're here to constantly grow, evolve, learn, be curious, change. I think that's the name of the game, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think all of that was very beautifully said. And I'm grateful you gave more details on your journey because it is challenging. And for those who I've interviewed and who I've met, who I think have a very fulfilled life and they're doing what their calling is they've all had a very similar journey in in which they had to overcome obstacles and they had to sacrifice basically the materialism and in most spiritual books it really speaks about you know honoring the spiritual world over materialism or over money right so now that you're following your calling you're of greater service to god or the universe or however you want to phrase it, but I'll just go for God. Um, you know, now you're helping others. And so if I want to learn a little bit about cooking, I can go to your website, right? And then I can have more nutrition in my life and my daughter's life is impacted in a positive way, and you're fulfilled. It's it's all aligned, it's all harmonious with everything. I don't think people out there, when they know they're calling, have something that is not going to benefit people. And if you don't think you're gonna be successful, I really got to find out where I found this clip from, but somebody gave an example. Where the person made uh, carvings out of butter. He's like, did like architecture uh, or or like, do you know about this?
1: Yeah, I've I've seen stuff like that before. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You know what I mean? So if that person can do it, you (laughs) you know, your idea might not be that nuts. And so, you know, it's always harmonious. With the world, but you have to give up on the materialism and the certainty. And that's where faith comes in. And I believe that you have a stronger spiritual connection when you do it because you see how God or the universe conspires for you. Doesn't mean it's easy. If anything, it's probably way harder, but it's way more rewarding. You're doing it. And then you're like, oh, wow, like, thanks for the help. But you have to earn it too, right? There's no free passes right? Mm -hmm. There's not one person I've seen who's really doing it had a free pass. They all had to earn it and sacrifice what wasn't in alignment, that certainty, that security, that mammon money, that materialism, right? To move fully into the spiritual. And then materialism was, uh, it's there. You always have enough and you will eventually most likely move into abundance.
1: Well, and the whole point of materialism is really just comfort. Like so much of materialism that we've created in the world is just to create comfort, you know, because somebody got tired of sleeping on the floor, you know, someone got tired of sleeping on, hay, um, you know, someone got tired of having to walk out of their house on a cold night to go to the bathroom, you know, so it's kind of all about comfort and we all deserve that comfort. Um, sometimes it comes and goes for certain people in this lifetime. Sometimes they have it consistently, um, where we all have a different path. but. You know, as long as you find your joy and what makes you happy and what lights you up, I think everything else will fall into place for you. And if it's not, then there's something within there you get to tweak and pivot. And there's always something to tweak and pivot.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And one simple example or process people can do is just do a meditation on your own death. Um, Because, you know, if you you asked, you know, yourself when you were in that HR thing and be like, okay, you only have two more years to live. Like, are you going to keep doing this or would you switch? Right? who's to say you have two years who's to say you won't die tomorrow who's to say you won't die in five years so if you did die right or you're on your deathbed like oh man i really wish that I, i'm really grateful that i you know took this job i didn't love and worked it every single day you go oh damn like i i'm so sad that uh i didn't give everything to this and i think that would be the the biggest regret most people have and i remember when i was younger um I was contemplating suicide, not seriously, but as a young man. And uh, I was just like, life sucks. I hate this. Like, what if I were to kill myself? And um, then I, I was thinking about it. I was like, well, if I'm going to do that, you know, I may as well just like give my entire life to boxing because I like martial arts and I liked these different. I was like, what if I just did that instead? Because I do like boxing. So. Let's just do that, and so you know, I it would drive me into my athletic endeavors and things that filled me up that made me feel alive. <laughs> wow. You know, interestingly enough, and so w- if we are gonna, you know, pass over those are the regrets that we're gonna have, like giving everything that you have to something, you know, everything you have to life because it fills you up, it's in alignment with everything else, and I think that there's always a way for that, and and the reason why people don't do that is because they haven't had the clarity of their purpose, not the lot, so much around how my coaching evolves. Cause people I'm like, you just haven't asked yourself simple questions. Yeah. What are you passionate about what do you love? What, what, what would you do if money didn't exist? You know what I mean? You could have unlimited money. What would you do with your time? Right. And you just start asking and brainstorming and over maybe six months, maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe less, maybe in a week, you start to figure out a direction and it's not an end result. It's not like I become chef uh, you know, chef Matt, and then it's all over, you know, then it's done. (laughs) I'm I'm done. I'm done the pursuit. You know, it's like, Oh, okay. Now I'm the chef. And then what's the next thing The, the journey evolves in a direction that you choose?
1: Well, a great meditation people listening can do, you can do this while you go on a walk or you go on a hike. Um, sometimes I actually do this when I lay down to go to bed at night, I think about my ideal day. So I'll think about like my ideal work day or I'll think about my, uh, my ideal weekend day. And that brings a lot of clarity because you can't think about your ideal work day without thinking about your ideal job and your role and all the things that you want to create. And it's actually kind of hard because you'll start to see that you're adding lots of limiting beliefs or a, a lot of things that, well, you have to do that on your ideal day because you know, that's what you have to do because of your current job, but like really break through that and think of like the dream work day or the dream day off. And that's a, it's a fun exercise. It's a tough exercise. And then what I did is I, after thinking about it for a few times, I wrote it down and I voice recorded it. And now I listen when I drive to work in the morning, I listen to my ideal day so I can make it happen.
0: Oh, I love that. That's a really great exercise. And I like one that I learned from Michael Lozier a long time ago. I was like, my life is ideal when, or my life is perfect when. And then you brainstorm. And then it's so key to write it down. And it's even better to listen to it because when you hear it, you'll notice what really lights you up. And it's funny because, you know, I keep a journal and I think that. I'm clear when I'm writing things down. And then like six months later, I look at how it's evolved and I'm like, that wasn't like, why would it take me six months to get this little bit of clarity here? That changes the whole game of what I wrote down for something that was ideal. Right. And I was like, I thought I was clear here, but I wasn't even close. Right. It takes a while for it to evolve. And when you write it down and then you hear it, you notice where the inspiration is. And that's why um, I created this uh, quantum heart hypnosis because the biggest issue that I, found with people coaching is they didn't know what they wanted. So all it is, is a process of asking you about your perfect day and what you like from a state of relaxation. So you can really feel it and imagine it. And then you hear it back. That's the key. You got to hear it back because then once you hear it back, then you can modify it, right? It's like, Oh, you know what? I would love to add this. Oh, this seems to be missing. Oh, this isn't as strong as I thought it was. And I could really clarify it by adding this you know, clarity or a little piece of information that you have by going through that experience. So it's, it's so key.
1: It really is and you know, I've been wanting to change my routine, my daily routine that I, my ideal day that I locked in and record it. I've been listening to it and it's not, it's, it's limiting. It's not full. It's not what I really, really, really want. Um, So thank you. I'm going to rewrite it and uh, give it a fresh recording.
0: Awesome. Well, this has been amazing. I've really enjoyed this conversation, um, getting to know you, learning a little bit more about how to um, cook. But I also think that your story of transition is so important and so powerful because it lets people know that it's possible and the process is simple. It's a, it's the same thing every time, right? Getting clarity, changing the way that you live, right? Changing some patterns, some habits, letting it evolve over time, You overcoming these, these boundaries, right? Living with your parents probably sucked, you know? It's like, oh no, right? Going from security, but then knowing like, okay, success is possible, but it's not a given. If it were easy, everybody would do it. That's why people, I think, get the easiest jobs that they can, that they can stand, that makes the most amount of money. That's what 99% of people do. So this isn't for everybody. Entrepreneurship and chasing your dreams is hard. Uh, but it's rewarding. And you and depending on where you are in your journey, you might just do it a little bit. But over time, doing a little bit, a little bit, that inspiration will grow, the clarity will grow, the energy will grow, and the universe will start giving you feedback. And I think that's how you grow spiritually because you have to communicate with God if you're going to do this, because it's friggin' scary and it takes a lot of faith. And you don't know what you're doing and you need help, but you know where you want to go and it's good and it's fulfilling. And yeah, I think God supports that. So Is there anything that you wish that I had asked or that you want to speak about before we close the show?
1: No, this was fantastic. It's nice to meet a like-minded person who is living their dreams and constantly growing and pursuing what lights them up. And, you know, I hope this is supportive to everyone that listened and if they have questions about high vibration cooking, um, about healthy recipes, about making pivots in their life or in their diet, um, I'd love to answer them. So feel free to leave them on YouTube and I'll make sure to check back in and see if I can support in any way.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. W- what website do they go to?
1: So my website is starseedkitchen.com. That's S T A R S. E-E-D, starseedkitchen.com. And then my podcast is the High Vibration Living Podcast, where they can tune in on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, wherever they listen to their podcast. And of course, I also have a YouTube channel. You can find me at Whitney Aronoff. And just trying to do this, the same work you are, just helping everyone up-level, up-spiral, feel good, be well.
0: Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and for the work you're doing. Uh, I really enjoyed it.
1: So nice to see you, Matt. Thank you. Uh, My pleasure. Thanks guys for watching. Peace.
0: There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely phenomenal chef Whitney Aronoff. I hope that you enjoyed that episode, that you took some inspiration from her uh, educational journey on food, but also how she made the plunge and she followed what she was passionate about. and She risked it all, and it's just a beautiful success story from an amazing person. So I hope that you enjoyed that show, and if you did, please consider sharing the show, leaving a review. Uh, If you want to support us on Patreon, it doesn't exist, so go to mattbelair.com, become a patron or a member. For any donation you want, for free, even you can. There's a, a way you can sign up for free, um, or just you, you can throw in a couple bucks if you want. So that's great too. If you want to work with me, uh, you can get the Soul Compass course within the membership. There's exclusive content there, but we can also work one on one, whether it's for you, your business, you want to do peak performance, mindset, strategic consulting. Hit me up, mattbelair.com forward slash coaching or mattatzenathlete.com. Tell me who you are, what you're working on, what your dreams are, what your challenges are, and I would be happy to work with you and hear from you. So that's it. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. I'm sending all of my prayers and well wishes your way. Let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close this show. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. And let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, power, courage, faith, clarity, energy, optimism, and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.